I'm Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. I'm the author of ETS for the Long Run, Dividend Stocks for Dummies, and a contributor to Forbes.com and Barron's. <clears throat> Each week on Two Question Tuesday, we randomly pick and answer two questions from clients of Focused Wealth Management. This week's questions will be answered by Phil D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focused Wealth, and Michael Passante, the firm's Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Morning, guys. How are you? Good, good, thanks. Um, well, we all know what happened last week. The Dow Jones Industrial Average capped off four weeks of declines with a 900-point plunge on Friday. It was the first day since it was the worst day since 2020, and the Dow has given up all the gains of the past 12 months and sits where it was a year ago. This came a day after the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said a 50-point rate hike is on the table at the next meeting in May. So the first question comes from Nate Geraci, president of the ETF store. And he asks, what's your single biggest concern with the financial markets? Stocks, bonds, commodities, whatever. What's keeping you up at night and what's the biggest portfolio risk? Good question. A lot of portfolio risk out here right now. So, you know, we're in a period and I think it really goes back to our annual firm economic and market update that Michael and I gave the beginning of the year where we showed a chart. And whenever you have this period of high inflation, again, uh, it's actually over eight and a half percent, but whenever it's over on average, uh, a six and a half percent number, both stocks and bonds are down uh, over six percent. And that's exactly what you're seeing. Friday was a real washout. Uh, both indexes, the S&P 500 going down 10% on the year, roughly, and the Barclays aggregate bond index going down 10% on the year, roughly. Europe emerging markets, et cetera, all following suit. Uh, NASDAQ now down close to 20% for the year. So the biggest risk that I see right here is, is rates going up uh, too quickly. You know, that 10-year, again, knocking on 3%. Backed off today, it's down about 20 basis points from almost the high now, uh, short term. But uh, so things are moving very quickly, but I think these, I think rates possibly going up, uh, and the Federal Reserve possibly rising, you know, raising rates eight times this year, as compared to what the market's original uh, interpretation was, uh, too far, too fast into what Michael and I have pointed out before, you know, a weakening and slowing down economy. I mean, when you look at what's going on now in China, uh, and maybe exacerbating the supply chain issues again. That's what's keeping me up at night, these inflationary pressures, whether it's in the Ukraine on fertilizer, not to make light of the awful humanitarian situation that's going on there, tragic. But when you look at the at the potash levels, when you look at fertilizer, when you look at steel all in that area and energy that goes towards Europe, I'd be shocked if Europe doesn't go into a recession. When you look at what's going on in China, and again, the supply chain finally getting a little bit easing up. Really not, right? Going the opposite way now, huge lockdowns, maybe even, even affecting Beijing. And then when you look at the strength of the dollar, the weakness of the yen now, uh, the weakness of the euro, 107 this morning, uh, there's some big headwinds that are going on globally. Now, dollar's staying pretty strong uh, in, in the in face of higher rates, and uh, that is a good thing. So I guess if you're priced out U.S. markets in dollar strength globally, you know, which is something I always like to look at. It's called the purchasing power parity in economics. Where are your assets denominated in local currencies? How much can they buy around the globe? 
you know, if you're pricing out the Dow in U.S. dollars, it's it's pretty much flat from, you know, in a real dollar term, even though it's down, obviously, and it does not feel good how you're down on the year. But if you look at it globally, it's it's holding up. So uh, I, I'd say these inflationary pressures not abetting into a weakening economy with rising rates. That's what keeps me up at night. Now, we have earnings this week. Again, uh, some of the tech companies coming out. You had Coke reporting some good earnings. Um, so, you know, earnings drive stocks. Let's see how these companies report uh, into uh, this, this very tough inflationary data uh, and these really rapid rises uh, in interest rates. I think it's also interesting. One of the things that I'm, I'm most concerned about is the fact that we talked about the yield curve being inverted. Um, it inverted for a brief period of time and then uninverted, fortunately. But the one-year forward futures contract on the yield curve is almost the most inverted it's ever been. And what I think is kind of interesting is, you know, the Fed's only hiked rates one time, but the market's been pricing in effectively seven to eight hikes. And that's yeah. stayed pretty constant over the course of the last month, maybe. And then with some more jawboning last week, the expectation for rate hikes moved up to almost 10 and I think at that point, the market has started to say, okay, that's enough. Um, maybe the market can sustain and handle seven. Um, can't really do it with 10. And I think that's what Friday really came out and showed you. And yeah, Powell's on board with 50 basis point hikes. Uh, Meester is also on board for 50 basis points. Bullard wants 75. And I think that the market is telling you at that point, we are at the upper bound of where the velocity of how rates can rise quickly. Uh, we've basically met that. And I think you're seeing that across the board with China's lockdowns. That's a slowing economy. Earnings have actually been okay. Um, earnings went from negative 14% year over year last week to almost flat. So the, the problem is earnings are flat right now and the economy looks like it's continuing to decelerate. So the thing that keeps me up at night is I, I, I've been harping on it for a while and we've been saying the same thing. I think the Fed is on the precipice of making another policy mistake and it looks like they want to raise rates so precipitously that they're intent on breaking something. So what's better, dealing with some high inflation until we can get some supply chain issues back online or going into a recession? And the Fed seems really intent on the recession. So Again, after a decade of, of zero rates globally, right? You got that sea change finally happening. Tides going out, tides going in. Mm -hmm. And it makes for very rough sailing. Well, that's, even though we're not sailors. <laughs> well, that's the second question. So um, save a little for the next one. And uh, let me say that these people are not currently uh, uh, clients of Focus Wealth Management, but they're very interesting questions that I found. And the second question comes from Tom Lydon. He's the CEO of ETF Trends and the co-founder of the ETF Exchange Conference held two weeks ago in Miami. And he asks, is there any place to hide? Can we have prolonged inflation with a less than hawkish Fed that doesn't want to ignite the next recession? Well, I think your key to that statement is, can we have elevated levels of inflation with the Fed at, uh, as hawkish as they are right now? I mean, we've gone from a period of time where in two years, the Fed has gone from its most dovish place ever to its most hawkish place ever because they've got the inflation part of the cycle dead wrong. 
And I mean, uh, we can show the chart again. <laughs> when inflation gets north of 6%, most asset classes have negative real rates of return over the course of a 12-month period. And I think we're seeing that across the board with the correlation. It seems like correlations are now moving to one. And if you have somewhat of a diversified portfolio, i.e., you haven't been long energy, only energy and or gold all year, you have losses in certain areas of your portfolio. So I think you have to stay very grounded and basically make sure that you're applying your fundamental financial planning perspective to this current market environment. Markets don't just go up, they go up, they go down. This is one of the more difficult environments that I've ever seen because there are very few asset classes that are working. Traditionally, there are certain asset classes that zig while others zag. And right now, inflation is wreaking havoc on everything. At some so point- So I'll tell you, you know, uh, I'm sorry, Mike, but great, great points. And so you know what? Investing, investing is about deploying capital. It's not about taking your gains off the top, right? When you when you need income off the portfolio, we can do that at any time. If you want to be an investor, you look for moments to start buying things. And when you look at some of these, you know, uh, quasi bond funds, whether they're municipals, nationally, uh, closed end funds that have got shellac, some of these things down in the twenty five to thirty percent range, uh, there's there are opportunities. Hey, look at look at some just pure bonds, right? Like look at long dated U.S. Treasuries. I mean, to your point, if you look at your plan and if you are content with a certain level of return, three four percent. You know, you can go out there right now and fix these in. Yes, you have inflation, uh, but that's what other parts of your portfolio for to hedge off that inflation. So I think if you're an investor and you're looking at some of these beaten up asset classes, you can certainly deploy monies into environments like this because, you know, you don't make money at the tops of markets. You make money when you deploy capital and then you have the harvest you know, season later on. So look, Got longer to go in in the down cycle, certainly, but there are certain sectors of the market that might make sense to Mike's point of implementing your financial plan here, whether it's income generation, uh, whether you you want to lock in a certain fixed rate. uh, There are some opportunities now that you didn't see a little while ago. And we know that asset prices are extremely elevated globally, whether it's real estate, commodities, uh, you know, st- st- certain stocks, right? Most stock markets. So there are elevated prices out there, um, but you got to look around and, and you're starting to see some interesting values in very micro parts of the markets. Yeah. And one of the reasons I keep going back to rate sensitivity is I generally think that the Fed is going to go too far too fast in its hiking cycle. And we're already seeing weaker pockets of growth in certain segments and areas of the economy. The economic data is starting to slow. Especially if you look at uh, ISM, Philly Fed, that some of the new orders index, they're crashing. So the Fed has to be paying attention to this because if they keep hiking with the only intention of taking inflation down, we're, yes, some of the variables of inflation are because the Fed missed the boat last year. But other variables are largely due to supply chain hiccups and issues. And that Powell can hike as many times as he wants. He's not going to prevent China from locking down and causing shipping disruptions over there. So that's completely out of the Fed's control. So too many hikes, too fast is going to slow the economy even more so. And rates at some point will stop moving based on just Fed policy and start moving based on the underlying economic data again. And when that happens, I think longer dated securities, 
Yield sensitivity are the places to be. I've been saying that for a while. We just haven't seen rates start to edge down yet as a result of the slowdown in economic growth. So no recommendations? No, I still think you can buy longer dated. I, I gave you recommendations. Yeah. I snuck a few in there. Yeah, okay. Those um, recommendations are for the clients, Larry. Okay. So uh, if you'd like to get the actual details, sign up and become a client. Thanks, everybody. And um, if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at twoquestiontuesday.com. And we'll be back next week.